Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Podcast still exists. It's still a thing. We're still here. Uh, <laughs> That's our Christmas gift to you, to you guys. Yeah, yeah it's uh, <laughs> well, we my yeah. mistake saying we were we were going to go live on Sunday uh, too early, and then uh, we had some scheduling conflicts. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're back. I think mm-hmm. what what is this now? More than a week because I think our last show was two Sundays ago. Tuesdays, uh, Tuesdays. Wasn't it yeah. Tuesday? And then we missed the weekend, and now we're on Wednesday. So, so yeah, we're back on a regular days. schedule. Relax. Stop. It's supposed to be Wednesday <laughs> and Sunday. There's no game on uh-huh. Wednesday. We're here on Wednesday. So, yes, yes, we're here. It was gonna be. It was Sunday. Then it was yesterday. Behind the scenes, it was yesterday, and it's today now. So we're yes. here. We're good. And uh, we have and, four games. And all the and all the important people are here. You and me. Yes. And that's Pat, it. Pat's not here. And then the listener is... No, no, no. This, this multiples? We have multiples? Yeah. Yeah. Just despite <laughs> being uh, literally just non-existent on social media for the last uh, week and a half, we are we have some people who are sticking around, <laughs> so we're here. Um, it's almost we like we're trying to not have listeners. Like, yeah. we're, like we're making a big effort to push people. <laughs> People away. <laughs> well, you guys are sticking around, and we appreciate it. Uh, we do have four games that we have to kind of mop up here. Uh, the Ducks, way way back. We won't spend a lot a lot of time on these uh, 
some of these older games, but the Ducks did break the Islanders at the time. Their 17-game point streak, they ended up winning that game 3-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow that up with a 4-3 shootout loss to the Arizona Coyotes, which is a bit disappointing. But I believe Brandon Gooley got his first NHL goal in that one. So, bright side-ish, right? We'll talk about that later. Uh, but... Do we get yeah, okay. <laughs> Terry, Terry, Terry scoring too. I mean, we we have we have more on Brandon Gooley later. Uh, the two most recent uh-huh. games, though, uh, the Ducks lost to the Winnipeg Jets three nothing and beat the Kings four <laughs> two. These ones will break down a bit more. Starting with the game against the Jets, the Jets have gotten better lately. They've started turning things around. This was the Ducks' last game in November. Not a way to, to close out a month. Not a great night uh, for John Gibson and Connor Hellebuck, despite only facing 24 shots, uh, closed the door. Yeah, yeah I, I blame this loss solely on Pat's presence. Um, he he literally <laughs> went there uh, for the game. For his and birthday, the Ducks, right? uh, just Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the, the, the day, I believe, the day after Thanksgiving. So um he showed up ducks uh, uh lay an egg so to speak i hate that cliche but um yeah that, that was that was bad gibby wasn't uh stellar but the ducks weren't stellar and from all accounts and first hand account from pat it blew <laughs> it was the most boring game What's he's pat watched so. on uh his uh, the ducks winning percentage when he's at a game now because he was in he was in colorado too oh, and then the ducks get hammered by or did they win that game I can't remember now. Maybe I'm maybe I'm writing them I'm, off a little I'm, bit here. No. Well, it's well it, if you want to make yourself feel better, it's say home games that he's been to. Okay. Um, no, he's a horrible percentage. Um, but so do I. So I can't really throw him under the bus too much. Yeah, I haven't well, even been to. Uh, I can't even count. Games. We can't even count recently. The Ducks have been bad the last two seasons, so it's not. Uh, it's not maybe not fair. No, 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 no. We can we can throw him under the bus. It's it's his fault. All right. Uh, All those losses he shows. <laughs> Ducks versus Kings, better outcome uh, against the worst team. Yeah. The Kings are one of the worst teams in the league, but uh, the Ducks fourth duh, line duh. getting it done. Carter Rowney, a goal and an assist. Derek Grant, two goals. He's got eight somehow on the year. <laughs> uh, did Nick Delory get a point there? He did. He grabbed a, a primary assist on wow. Derek Grant's goal. Uh, not, not the line you expect to be getting offense, not the line – that you expect one player on that line to have eight goals uh, and it to be Derek Grant, but this is the this is the world we live in. And Carter Rowney has five. Like Derek Derek I, Grant, Carter Rowney have thirteen <laughs> goals. And they're good. <laughs> they they they, they, uh, they think they. Uh, I mean, they're they're even dangerous uh, shorthanded. Uh, that's one of the things they do really well too. But I I'm happy with it because as long as they're not. Like like the rest of the ducks, the younger players, like we're waiting for that thing to kind of kick in and go. And at the same time, you need that fourth line presence that maybe chips in and the goal and outplays the other fourth line. So I'm absolutely thrilled and happy. And Derek Grant has a hat trick in one game. He's up to eight goals now, which actually puts him ahead of Tyler Sagan and also <laughs> Malkin, even though Malkin's been injured. Uh, he's only two behind Tavares uh, at this point. So, I mean, your elite center, number one, Derek Grant, um, so that definitely I'm means he's as good as Tyler Sagan and John Torres. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, skill wise, for sure. And then on top of that, he should absolutely be an all star. He's and, also a better uh, faceoff man than John Torres. Look at that. <laughs> Playing less yes. minutes. 
in the last minute. We should have uh, signed John Tavares. We went and got Derek Grant for one eleventh <laughs> of the price, and look what look at the production he's got. Yeah, well, if you leave it up to the people who say we should sign certain people, we'll have everybody, and we literally won't be playing any other teams because we've been signing. But uh, Derek Grant's awesome. I mean, he's he's found a home here, and everyone just kind of revels in the fact that he's doing what he's doing, and I think he's kind of on board with it. He's like, all right, I'm doing fourth-line stuff, but I'm playing at a second- or first-line level, so... We'll just keep it going, and I absolutely love it because the Ducks are going to need that grit. I hate saying like, "Oh, they need that grit," but it's they not need someone to just do the dirty work and get the dirty goals. And even his goal was just like a spin around, slapping it. It's in. God, good, good to go. I mean, take it. It's a goal, and it was a good it, one. So it never hurts to get fourteen goals from a fourth line that consists of Nick Delore, Derek Grant, Carter Rowney. Uh, but the quarter of the line. way through the season, he got 14 goals. I mean, at the end of the season, you go like, all right, well, they did all right. That's that's a quarter of the way. Yeah, three quarters left. What the hell knows what they're going to do next? Well, <laughs> in 208 career games prior to this season, uh, Derek Grant had 14 career goals. He's got eight. He's likely going to pass that this year. Almost almost all of them have been with Ducks, too, because like, I think he, he spent some time with Pittsburgh and just like nothing. Yep. And just wherever else he was, it was just pretty much the Ducks. 22 of those got... are with the Ducks. There you go. Out of what, 24? 24, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had, uh, he had two with Pittsburgh uh, in his time <laughs> in between being with the Ducks. And then I think it's uh, just – just under 80 games with uh, other teams prior to this, he had zero. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I think he's lost more teeth than he scored goals for other teams. So, keep him. Let's just yeah. keep going with him. Carter Rowney also on, on pace for career high. His career high was last year with the Ducks with seven. He's got five in 28 games, so he could finish. I if love they that both, fourth if line. They finish, uh, if they both finish over 10, and if one of them hits 15, that's a Easy. huge win. I, yeah, I I can easily see Grant going over fifteen. Now it's going to be an anomaly. Like I mean, he just he ended up getting it going, and he's he's gotten a lot of goals opportunistically. Uh, but I think uh, Rowney definitely be there. But I think Grant for sure can get uh, uh, fifteen. He's got three quarters of the season left, barring injury. All he's got to do is get seven more, and he's there. And and especially if they're going to start giving him power play time. I mean, yeah. that's that's what we were talking about. We were talking about the power play with them. Just, you know, get a net front presence. That's exactly what he can do. And so he showed it on that first goal in uh, L.A., even though it wasn't power play. It was just put him there. I mean, the guy, can, he's got hands. He's soft, you know, soft hands around the net. So, and he scores shorthanded goals. It's He's good. Yeah, yeah he's getting put in positions <laughs> to score. The Ducks penalty kill. Uh, the way they the way they kind of man that penalty kills it's it's dangerous shorthanded, and uh, Derek Grant's kind of been the beneficiary of that. Same with Carter Rowney too. I believe he has a mm-hmm. shorthanded goal in the season as well. Yep. So if uh, you know Derek said uh, he thinks they'll both finish around twelve, I could I could definitely see that. I think yeah, obviously Derek Grant isn't going to score at this pace for the rest of the season because that would mean he'd score somewhere around twenty goals this year. So I don't think that's. Uh, going to be a likely pace. He probably cools off Ooh. at some point, but uh, I don't think. You want to take a bet on that? Well, you think he's going to hit 20? No, not 20. 15. No, I think he could hit 15. Ooh. Well, you're disagreeing with Derek. Derek says 12. Yeah, that would be uh, ice cold. Four goals over the next 50 50 (laughs) or so games for for Derek Grant. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not. So so you think he'll hit 15? Because I think he will too. 
Yeah, I think I think he'll be not. between fourteen and sixteen. I think that's okay. I think that's where he finishes. <laughs> that's fifteen. Uh, yeah, Phil says, can we please get Derek Grant to the All Star game? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. There's no, uh, come on. Uh, there's a buddy. We go. Come on, what? He's got more He's goals than Sagan. The, you think Sagan's going to go to the All Stars? Well, no. Yeah, but, so the Ducks are going to be one Sagan's Ducks goes be to the All-Star game. Sagan's not going to be there. Actually, Gessler. you know, Sagan is going to be there because he's the star's best player. So. Sagan will be there. Or Bishop will be there. Still. Or both. But, uh, no, the, the Ducks are going to get one player because John Gibson is going to go. Getzloff and the probably Selberberg. Maybe. But I think they only get one. I honestly yeah, think it's only one. Because the Fords and the Pacific Division, you know McDavid and Drysaddle are both going. Um, Kemper Kemper's you know, going as a goalie and Flurry. So Flurry, I think Gibson. I know I don't know Gibson's in unless he turns it on real real quick here. No, it's, uh, it's I think uh, Kemper or Flurry. Yeah, and um, you know defense. I think is going to be the interesting thing for for this division when it comes to who's going to show up there. I you know the Oilers don't really have anybody. Uh, maybe Ekman Larson oh, from. So. From uh, Arizona, maybe Carlson or Burns, uh, Quinn Hughes, maybe gets uh, gets a call from Vancouver. But I think yeah, Pedersen you know could. what? I think he would too because uh, yeah. trying to think of anyone else in Vancouver besides Pedersen. But even hey, he's well, he's got what twelve goals. That's not too bad at yeah. this point. Yeah, I, I, but Vancouver uh. could get two. I, I think when you're you're getting desperate, yeah, Phil says Darnell <laughs> Nurse, maybe maybe Darnell Nurse uh, for Edmonton, but they're going to already have Drysdale and McDavid locked for that, so I don't yeah, see them getting three guys. They don't get three guys. Yeah, so Vegas maybe defenseman, I can't see it. It would more so be a flag. All these guys have forwards, so I think Oliver ekman Larson probably goes for Arizona with Darcy Kemper. I think that's uh, that's something I can see. I think Quinn Hughes and, and Elias Pedersen probably go. Uh, you might see a defenseman from San Jose just to get Burns or Carlson there uh, to see one of them. Who go. do you pick between those two? Because I think Burns has been struggling a little bit too. Burns has 21 points in 29 games. Carlson has 21 points in 28 games. So it, it all and, and they're they're pretty similar numbers. So coin flip. Yeah, it's a coin flip at this point. I think it all depends on who people vote in and uh, on the beard. I oh, think I think yeah. Burns probably gets in right now, but. But Quinn Hughes, I think, honestly, is, is probably a lock for when it comes for a defenseman. I think uh, in the Pacific, mm-hmm. he probably has the most points on any defenseman. He's got more points than Carlson and Burns in the same amount of games for played. Sure. He's got 20, uh, 23. So. Yeah. We'll see Getzloff there, though. That's that's nice. Right? Yeah, Getz. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Unless, once again, unless he falls off the planet, I don't see that happening. Uh, yeah, I think he, he gets in the All Star game, which is nice. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's been there in quite a while. Quite a few uh, seasons, I think. Yeah, at least a few. I don't remember. Yeah. It's it's been Gibson. I think Fowler went one time, right? Raquel was there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kessler was there, right? Yeah, I want to say it was about two two or three years ago because I know he did the uh, that that passing accuracy in the yeah. skills competition. Yeah, I, his son I think was that was there. Ba- I think that was in L.A. Whenever the L.A. Yeah, oh, Phil whenever LA had one in L.A. So. Yeah. yeah, three years. I think ago. that was 2016. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be nice for Getz to get back out there. Um, couple sure. couple roster updates. This is recent. This is all after the Kings game. Uh, Max Jones sent down to San Diego. No surprise there. Uh, scratched for the Kings game. Had zero points in the previous three games before that. Uh, Maxim Comtois comes up, which I guess is the logical option at this point. It doesn't look like Kiefer Sherwood's getting a shot, man, because if the, if at any point Kiefer Sherwood is going to get called up, it was probably now. 
because of the way he's playing there and Max Jones not playing so good. Yeah. I could have saw it. I could have, like, this is the time I could have seen it happening because Maxi Comfortable isn't exactly lighting it up down in San Diego, but it looks like they want to give him another shot. I think they've kind of classified Sherwood as that fourth line, maybe third line guy. And right now, the fourth line of the Ducks is the one that's actually keeping them afloat. So I don't think they're going to bring in Sherwood and try and uh, promote him to a, a second or third or a second or first line role. Uh, I think they're willing to shuffle other things around and give uh, Comtois that that opportunity to get back into it. Um, as much as I like Sherwood, and I think he works amazing as, in my opinion, even higher. I mean, I. I struggled to put him in a second line, but definitely I could see him in a third line role, just his his intensity. But the way he plays is is a fourth line type player with some speed, more speed than most. But we're solid on the fourth line, I think. And I think that's why they're kind of like, hey, do your thing down here. And if we have an injury, that's probably his his foot in the door, maybe. But he's just he's gonna need another unfortunately he's gonna need for them another season down there. And unless he can really kind of jump in and all of a sudden just blow up offensively and they can't keep him down. Otherwise, he's, he's going to be in San Diego for most of this year, I think. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. The Ducks are finally starting to get some chemistry, right? Like this fourth line is obviously <laughs> going right now. Uh, uh, Henrique with uh, Richie and Kasha starting to, to mm-hmm. look pretty good. When the you know, first couple games they were together was really, really good cooled down a bit but that's still a pairing that we've seen in the past and i think uh could work going forward steals back with raquel and silverberg and and now it's just kind of figuring out who's going to go with getzlaff and you know maybe next game we see devon shore still up there or maybe we actually see come to and terry uh with ryan getzlaff uh, i i can't see them messing around too much with the bottom six if you want to call henrik rich and cash a part of the bottom six <laughs> Uh, I could still see them bouncing Raquel up from, with Steele and Silverberg up to Getzlaff, and maybe Comtois goes with Steele and Silverberg, and Terry stays with uh, Raquel and Getzlaff because we've seen that before. I could definitely see that happening. But, yeah, Sher- Sherwood would be a bottom six guy, and I don't think right now he's bumping out Carter Rowney or uh, yeah, or um, Andre Kasha, right? Like, you're, And you're not going to play him on the left side. And if you did, then he's, what, replacing Nick Delore, which, sure, it's, he's probably a better player, but – why mess with that fourth line the way they're playing right now? Yeah, and I mean, I guess, he, you know, in any game, he's got the potential to create offense better than Delorier. But I I don't hate Delorier's game. And, I, you know, you can say, uh, you know, that the, the not, not the enforcer, but, you know, the, the stronger guy in the yeah. lineup, I feel like, him being there allows Richie to not have to be that guy. And that's, you know, hey, if you F around over here, this is the guy you have to talk to later about it. Um, and so I like Delorey in there because I don't think he's really a detriment defensively. And as long as he's not a detriment defensively, I'd rather have him in there than have Shore and not have a Delorey cloud that the other team has to worry about at least a little bit so uh, you know i feel he fits in a little bit better and it's a little bit harder for a short bit there but i have a question you you call you say his name is kasha yeah how do you pronounce his name andre kasha, kasha. kasha. Why? is it kasha or kasha I've no i've always heard it as kasha but you say kasha 
potato potato. Oh, is it cash or kasha? No, I say uh, cash. You cash me outside, or you cash me outside. There's a difference. Okay, so then I, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no, am I right wrong. or am I yeah, wrong? It's a Canadians so are always is it, wrong. Is it kasha? <laughs> yeah, it's kasha instead okay. of kasha. You say kasha and it throws me off. Okay, say Colorado. Kasha. I'll, I'll say Colorado. Me yeah, Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> Uh, your point right. on Anyways. Nick Ritchie, though. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it takes the physical, I guess, the enforcer role away from Nick Ritchie. Not that he's ever really filled those shoes. Still leads the league in penalty minutes with 54. He does? The whole league he does? He leads the whole league in penalty minutes with 54. Guess who's number two <laughs> after the 29 penalty minute night against the Winnipeg Jets? Oh, um, um, uh, 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 brain fart. I don't know. Just Eric say it because it's going to annoy so Why Nick, no? yeah, he's second in the league. He's second, and Nick Ritchie has fifty-four. Eric Goodbranson has fifty-three. Uh, more than half of those came against the Winnipeg Jets, where he picked up twenty-nine penalty minutes. That blows me away. Yep, and then uh, <laughs> and then Brendan Lemieux is the only one close. He's got fifty-two uh, for the Rangers. The next highest at number four is. Brandon Dillon with 44. So pretty big lead for Nick Ritchie and Eric Goodbranson right now with 54 penalty minutes and 53 penalty minutes. So, yes, Nick Ritchie doesn't have to be an enforcer, I guess you could say, but he's still still taking the penalties like he's an enforcer. So not uh... Yeah, but he has it in recent games. I mean, I can't think of a game where he's in the last – in the last well, – at least the last against week Tampa, or – he had 14. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just saying – Islanders and two against two. Winnipeg. So not – I mean, 14 is what's taking a dent in that, right? And obviously for Good Branson, a, a 29 penalty minute night against the Winnipeg Jets is why he's even up at that point. You know, all it takes yeah. is a guy anywhere around them to have a 15 to 30 minute a penalty minute night off of, you know, a couple fights, a misconduct, an ejection, and then they jump into that lead. I think the problem for Nick Ritchie is a lot of those have been minors. So that's, uh, you know, yeah, that's, dive. that's what annoys, yeah, or at least annoys me. And I assume annoys a lot of, uh, Ducks fans. It's just like, they're just, they're, they're not smart penalties. Like I, you can lead the league in penalties if you're just beating the crap out of people in fights. But if you're not doing fights, you're doing minors or you're doing double minor penalties. And uh, that's where you start to get like, all right, dude, cut, cut the crap. Like at this point, just like to either start playing. We're giving you a top six minutes. Start doing that. I don't. I don't need you to be there messing around. Hopefully, Delorier maybe makes him feel he doesn't have to do it. But he's a big guy, and that's kind of his style anyway. So I don't think he's really gonna move away from it. Um, it'll be interesting because I think uh, um, <laughs> uh, the next game is against Washington. So I think uh, Gabrunson's got a, a little bit of a few fights in him for the uh, Spitgate. Uh, 2019. Yeah. So I'm sure uh, Gabronson will probably uh, he might surpass uh, um, old Richie boy there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think in, in penalty minutes, it's like, are you Michael Haley or Milan Lucic, or are you, you know, Matthew Kachuk or Nazem Kadri? Like Milan Lucic might seem while being annoying. Or are I'm you not... taking smart penalties, or are you also drawing a ton of penalties at the same time? I'm, you know, almost every year the two uh, league leaders in drawing penalties are Nazem Kadri and Matthew Kachuk, and sometimes with that territory, you end up taking uh, you know a, a minor at the same time, and it's it's offsetting minors, and that happens. And you know, right now Kadri's eleventh in the league with thirty eight penalty minutes, and uh, 
And where was uh, Matthew Gachuk? He's 28th with 28 penalty minutes. So, you know, they're up there. They're in the top 30 in the league in penalty minutes, but they also draw a ton of penalties uh, on their own as well. Nick Ritchie, not so much. Ritchie does it, does not. I can't think of one penalty he's drawn this season. And if he has, it's maybe one or two. And, it'd be um, and, and, and the production for the refs kind of sending guys off, right? So, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like, jump uh, on Nick Ritchie because I I have liked his play at times, right? You know, he he's not been horrible this year. He's been a play driver at times, but the dumb penalties have to stop. Like you, you know, if he had thirty penalty minutes right now, thirty five, you know, he's still up there, but it's fine. But you know, that big headline as the league leader in penalty minutes right now. That's what I think is a big stopping block for people to try and get over is, you know, and he's had penalty troubles in the past. And now to be right now the league leader in penalty minutes, that's that's a lot for, for Ducks fans to handle at this point. Yeah. You know, especially when you're anticipating him doing one, it's like you almost have to be on your best behavior. And it's all right if you, if you take a penalty and, I mean, it, it's going to happen here or there. I just – just don't need to see it every game. Oh yeah, Rich is definitely going to the box. Like, I mean, if you could just shed that persona for half a season, at least, at least that kind of helps your case uh, in the eyes of uh, a lot of other players, GMs, fans, teams. I mean, it just goes a long way if you can kind of just clean that end of his game up because he has been producing a lot better offensively, and he's he's seen more more versatile or more usable uh, on any team just based on how he has been producing offensively. It's just the drawback is what he's doing away from the puck. Yeah, especially when your penalty kills, you know, bottom third of the league, ranked 22nd. Not the best time yeah. and, and not maybe the best year to be. <laughs> to start slapping people or around. Maybe the two league leaders in penalty minutes right now. It's probably <laughs> not the, the best situation. Um as for some more roster moves, Josh Manson back skating with the team, which is big news for the Ducks considering they've been what they've been rolling out on the right side. Jakob uh, Larson finally sent down to San Diego, which I think uh, is going to be good for him. And Josh Mahura is back up. No Chris Weidman, which is something we speculated, but I think that comes with the territory. And Josh Manson being back, you don't really need another right-handed shot with the guys you have in the lineup. But good to see Manson back. Nice to see Mahura back up. And, and honestly, I don't want to say nice to see Larson sent down to San Diego, but hopefully he kind of refines his game a bit down there and can come up a, you know, a lot more confident player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a necessary evil at this point. It's just like, hey, get, not even get better. It's just d- develop. And if you're developing, then you'll get better. You'll make your way back up here. So... Yeah, we're all hopeful for it. it. It'll it'll happen at some point, you know. But uh, as people start coming back in the lineup, we start seeing a little bit more of that Ducks defense we were hoping to see through most of the season. So you know, you know some guys are gonna get that chance to uh, prove themselves and develop their game and get top line minutes uh, in San Diego. Yeah, and and not so bad. I mean, San Diego's playing good right now, and. Jakob Larson's going to go down there and get some significant minutes. It's not like he's going to go down there and, and play third-pairing minutes in, in the AHL as well, so he'll have the opportunity to impress. So hopefully hopefully he can do that because, you know, I, I like what he can bring to the table, and I still think he has potential. Just needs to refine a couple areas of his game, and, and, you know, sometimes you need some time in the AHL to get that done. So hopefully he does. Uh, John Gibson was sick. Anthony Stolarz is up. Uh, John Gibson, he's always injured. 
<laughs> Always can't yeah, make throw games. This, throw know? this in the bin. He's, he's yeah, another one. Another one. He's, yeah, this sniffles. I can't believe so, this dude. Yeah. But uh, Anthony Strollers is up. Doughty plays because the Ducks have are what, off till Friday. So more so yeah. that he's up to just you know just in case he's not ready so that he's warmed up. And It was and, there for the, the Kings game, essentially. Yeah. It was just like, hey, yeah. okay, we got a game, and he's, you know, Gibson's under the weather. You're in San Diego. Hey, come up here real quick. We'll just kind of let it go. I mean, at this point, I'm sure Gibson will be good to go come Friday, if not in a starter role, at least a backup role. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. Um, one, actually, you know, one one guy we didn't mention. We were talking about the All Star <sighs> game. One guy we didn't uh-huh. talk about. So we talked about Getzlaff over the last four games. Getzlaff led the way with one goal and three assists, tied with this man I want to talk about right now, Cam Fowler. Also had one uh-huh. goal and three assists. Uh, he's on pace for 15 goals and 44 points on the season, which are both career highs for him. I think oh. he's sitting at five goals and. Th- you know, I think 13, 13 assists right now. I'll have to double check that. But he's having a great year. You know, a career yeah. year for him right now. Outside consideration for the All-Star game, if they're struggling to find guys, I, I think it's a stretch a bit because he's got only 15 points in and he's, games. Uh, but. Yeah, and he's a defenseman. And, uh, and there's, just, there's too many other better defenseman in our division that, I mean, he's going to have to overcome, you know, a Carlson, a Burns, he's going to have to overcome a, uh, Ekman Larson, he's going to overcome Quinn, uh, Edler's had a good season too, I mean, just he's going to have to do a whole lot to all of a sudden be a Pacific Division uh, defenseman so, and especially when they're going to be looking more like a Getzloff or uh, yep. Silverberg or even possibly Gibson. It's just it, it's hard <laughs> for him to crack through on that one. Unless he's outstanding. Unless he's at ten goals, you know, it's it's gonna be hard for him to, to break through on that over, one over over the next little bit here. But you know, despite but it's, that, it's good. It's yeah, damn good. Career on pace for career highs in goals and points. I don't think for assists, but for in, in goals and points right now, he's on, on pace for career highs, which is great for him. I mean, to see him hit 44, which is four more points than uh, his career high, and I think uh, 15 goals is four more than his career high of 11. That's yeah. nice to see that bit of improvement from Cam Fowler and kind of a rebound back to what we hoped he could be, which was a 40-plus point defenseman, which is huge for the Ducks because they, they really haven't had too many seasons uh, from defensemen where they've they've eclipsed that 40-point mark in the last little while. So if he could become that consistent guy who could threaten for you know over 10 goals and over 40 points from the blue line, that's a nice complimentary piece, especially if they can eventually go out and get that puck-moving defenseman who can put up you know 50-plus. He's elite if you think of him as a third or fourth defenseman and the ducks were hoping to have your Lindholm and your Manson as your one, two, and that shut down, play the big minutes and then let Fowler be what Fowler can do, which is an amazing skater. He's still good defensively. And that skating ability is, is kind of shines in what he can do defensively. Uh, but he's also got the offensive talent as well. Now, Take away your Lindholm through injury, your Manson through injury, uh, his uh, D partner, Goulia. You know, they just literally just made Cam Fowler your, your shutdown, your top guy, and he's got to do everything. And then surround him with, you know, four, five, and six, or seven, or eight type defensemen. I mean, so 
he started off really hot, kind of slowed down. But as these guys start coming back into the fold, I think you kind of see that production probably pick up a little bit more. Hopefully he can do even better than he has. Uh, but I, I feel like the injuries have kind of almost slowed him down just a little bit because he's had to really kind of take on maybe a larger role. But I think if if you have two guys that can play one and two and you keep him as a third, he's a damn good third to have on there. And especially one that is so creative offensively and such a great skilled skater that I feel, you know, he, he could eclipse every offensive categories had and he hasn't had a really great coach to let that happen in recent years so i think eakins or eakins really likes to go ahead and let those guys kind of run loose if if they're able to do it and i think that uh shows in cam fowler's game ever since carlisle was gone he's been just kind of a much better offensive defenseman yeah he's a very good second pairing defenseman I, I think when you, you know, look league-wide, I think any team would be happy to have a player of Cam Fowler's ability on their second pairing, especially a guy who can skate as well as Cam, can make the first pass. And, and, and you know, over the last, I think, four or five seasons, has been one of the best defensemen in the league when it comes to zone exits and zone entries. So that's a great asset to have. And I, and I think one of the reasons he's excelling so much in Aiken's system is his running gun hockey. And Cam Fowler mm-hmm. is one of the faster players on the ice when you look at, you know, at, I guess any player, but opposing blue lines for sure, that, ex- that is um, his type of game. You know, that, that's something he's going to excel in if that's the style the Ducks are going to play, and we've seen that this year. And I think with Lindholm and Manson back, where you can shelter him a bit and help him out uh, and put him in some better situations, I think he'll only get better this year. Uh, I think, you know, to say he could hit over 50 points is a bit of a stretch. But to you know to say he could keep this pace up and hit around 15 goals and 45 points, I I think that's a realistic landing spot for him, especially with eventually Lindholm and Manson coming back, getting paired mm-hmm. together, Gooley and Fowler together, likely for most of the season, barring any injuries, hopefully not. <laughs> it, it could be a very good year for Cam Fowler and and really the year we've been waiting for since his sophomore year right his rookie year broke out and his rookie year has been his best year of his career and that generally you're supposed to get better after your rookie season so it'd be nice to see Cam Fowler eclipse those numbers and start trending into you know a a more consistent direction and if they could just get a coach that knows how to do a power play that would be Beautiful there was one him, available. I, I wonder how there was Columbus one. He's gone now. Play. Now he's in Columbus. I, the, the first second game he we got talked picked about up, it, it was three and five. They were three for five the night he got picked up. <laughs> Shocker. I, gotta, I mean, not like he had a whole lot of time to implement exactly how yeah, he was going to do his stuff. Yeah, so cool. I don't think he had a huge hand in that. But uh, yeah, with the Walrus, I was uh, once that happened in Columbus, like it just one single tear just fell down, and you know I got over it. But I was just like, ah, we could really use that help right now. Especially someone that's familiar with most of the team. I don't know where Columbus power play was before he came over. I was literally trying to like figure out, right, right, I need to know this, and then next time I'm on, I'm going to have the difference. Ah. Because his power play, I, the power I, play now is ninth in the NHL. And when he was brought well, in, you don't get the it. narrative was they were having power play troubles. So... Has he turned their power play around? I really wish I knew their rank before he came on. But if you're, if the narrative was they were having troubles, uh-huh. I would assume they were probably bottom third in the league. And if that's the case, Paul McLean has come in the top third. 
and taken this team from a below 20 ranked power play potentially we don't know for sure to a top 10 power play i just want to see i just want to see what their percentage is so so take the game that he jumped in and they went three for five and then what they've done since then and it's only been uh, two weeks or something like that so you got to think about seven games i want to see maybe over the last seven games or something like that where where have they what have they done in those seven games and if their their numbers are like 40 percent all of a sudden then that's what I've been saying, man. Needed that guy back. The walrus. All that talent in the mustache, man. Just well, trickles down to the players. Hired November it was like two weeks. 21st. Okay. He got okay. hired. So two so, weeks ago. No, I, we got to do some investigative journalism here. Okay. So he got hired <laughs> on November 21st. First. The Jackets have played. I think that first game against Seconds. Detroit, that night he got hired. They had they were three for five on the power play. After that, they had Winnipeg. They won. They lost four three. Beat Ottawa one nothing. Lost to Philly three two. Beat Pittsburgh five two. Lost to New York two nothing. Lost to Arizona four two. I struggle to think that all of those goals over that stretch were power play goals. They're all power play goals. But I don't know. I, I'm not going to go look into it right now. But it would be interesting to see his impact so far on their power play. It, it at least on the surface looks like it's been positive, which is definitely. Something the Ducks could use and somebody who could orchestrate a power play like that and get some of these guys going. I mean, the last time Paul McLean was here, had the Ducks power play ranked number one. So one. not to say literally, that. literally got brought in to make the power play good, made it number one, and then they said, "Well, that was thank you for all that." Uh, Carlisle, come on, you know, you're, you're going to coach uh, by Paul McLean. Yeah, your, your mustache is awesome. Thanks. And then he hadn't worked until he just got hired uh, as a, a assistant for the power play in Columbus. Ugh, still bugs me. <laughs> yeah, nobody touched him until uh, until Columbus decided to go after him. And obviously, uh, it me looks like it's paying dividends right now. I mean, just <laughs> just to just to look at their last couple games, they had one power play goal in their last game, two in their game against Pittsburgh, and obviously none in the shutout. I, I get that they when they got shut out by the Islanders, but. Just uh, quickly going back through the games here, it looks like uh, Paul McLean has had uh, an impact. I mean, they've had a power play goal, it seems like, in almost uh, every other game since him since he's come on board there. So, And, and multiples. Maybe one day. <laughs> Within games. <laughs> one uh, day, yeah. Jay Northcott had a question or a chat. He said, with Manson coming back, do you think we're going to see Manson and Mahura as a D pair or go right back to Manson and Lindholm? Uh, Mahura was with Manson in practice. I don't know if I want to read into that too much. I really hope it doesn't go Lindholm, Goodbranson, Mahura and Manson, and uh, Gouli and Fowler. You, cra- you crap on Goodbranson, but I don't think he's that bad. Besides the I know, but it's just, and it's it was just, just that the, one game. The prospect of having Manson back with Lindholm and then say, you know what, now we're going to put Goodbranson with Lindholm instead. Well, I mean, you've put Manson and Lindholm together this season, and it it wasn't exactly stellar. I mean, no, no offense to Manson, but I mean, his his game's a little bit off, and even Lindholm's not able to kind of pull him out of it. I would still, my opinion, I would still give them that next opportunity to try and give them a few games to try and see if that chemistry can come back. But it seems like. Whatever happened last season, that the chemistry was gone. Like, because it wasn't last season, it was the season before, you know, 
they were obviously one, two, and they worked well together. Everything got kind of mixed up last year, but they tried again this year, and it just it never really seemed to click at any point. So I give them a little bit more of a chance, but I'm not too opposed to Gabranson filling that physical right-handed shot role if he works well with Lindholm and see what Manson can do, although Manson's numbers are always horrific if he's not with Lindholm. I wouldn't mind seeing Maher with Manson, though. I think that uh, could potentially work well. I don't think we've ever seen that at all. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see for the, the upcoming game on Friday if that's uh, if that's something they go with or strictly that was just for, for this one practice that we've seen so far. But yeah. if you're going to put anybody with good Branson, I think Lindholm's a good choice to kind of alleviate some of the defensive responsibility. So good Branson isn't kind of bogged down with that and, and task with the difficult decisions on a pairing because that's when I think he struggles. So if you give him a reliable partner like Hampus Lindholm, I think his game can shine through a little bit better. And, and you know, I'm not going to say he's looked bad. I, I I still don't like the trade just because of the contract and, and everything involved with that. That but, contract's a trade. It's trade bait come uh, uh, trade deadline. I, you I, think I don't would see good Branson at trade deadline. He, yeah, I think someone would when they're they're looking at because he was a first round pick, was he not? Yeah, but I mean, first the Ducks first round Andres pick, Martinson in the big guy can add uh, can add depth during a playoff run. So a contender would easily maybe pick that up because they don't get the full four million from this year. It's just whatever the last end of that season is. They get that, and then yeah, maybe they're on the hook for four million next year. But if they're looking to make a, a push or they think that he can add some physical play or some depth on there, I think is absolutely a good trade possibility especially right-handed shot guy and if the ducks aren't retaining some salary on that if they i think they have to retain at least a million million and a half if they try and trade them to especially to a team a contending team at the deadline 90 percent of contending teams at the deadline are really really close to the cap and i know it's less of a cap hit um at at that point but trying to convince 16 teams that are trying yeah, but I mean, we're, we're saying... make it in. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think uh, Tampa or, or Washington is looking to add a Gabrunson, but a team that might need that little bit of of pop on defense and a little bit of size, um, they they might be willing to go like, hey, listen, we got you know a little bit of cap room next year. Let's see if this guy can kind of help us out in that little kick on defense that we need or that depth on defense we need. Get us into the playoffs. See where we can go from there. And they're willing to to take most of that four million, I would say. You want Pims? So it's not out of the realm of possibility. If a GM needs Pims for his fantasy team, then maybe Good Branson's a good choice. Tom Wilson's better, but go ahead. Uh, or Nick Ritchie is actually the only other person who's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Brendan Lemieux has has been my guy yeah, in the last couple listening. of weeks. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Troy Terry. Because he's been heating up for for the Ducks over the last four games. I've been very critical of Troy Terry for most of the season, but he had one goal and one assist in the, in uh, over this four. Well, you were all stretch. high on Troy Terry. No, Pat's high on Troy Terry. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And then I convinced yeah. him that Troy Terry has been the worst of the four uh, rookies this year, and uh, I think you you were the only one who didn't agree with that. Pat, hey, Pat's hey. been. Yeah, you know, no, I, I don't agree. Like, I think Troy Terry's good. The skills there, it's just the execution hasn't been there. And I hate, you know, you, people maybe say, well, what's the difference between skill and execution? It's just like the talent's there, it just doesn't go. And I think Max Jones is probably a perfect example. You've seen everything he can do, and it just doesn't 
execute at the right moment at the right time to make it happen. So Troy Terry, yeah, he's gotten better since he took that that, that one time off, and Pat was like, "Well, just send him down. What's the, what's the point of of having him on there if you just you know watching?" I'm like, sometimes just. Just taking a different perspective and seeing the game changes things. He goes, well, we'll see. And then sure enough, like he's actually started to play much better from there. It's just take a step back, stop holding the stick so tight, and just get in good spots, make a good shot, and um, see what happens. So I, I think he's done a lot better recently. Yeah, over the last four games, uh, if you just look at underlying numbers, he's been the Ducks' most efficient and productive forward on offense. Uh, the one goal, one assist is uh, second to Getzlaff and, and uh, Cam Fowler. Uh, but his uh, Corsi 4 percentage is 67.02 is tops over the last four games, so he's generating a ton of shot attempts while on the ice and not uh, allowing too many. And again, if you think, you know, he's uh, yes, he's been on the line with Ryan Getzlaff, but he's the only Ducks forward plus 60%. And the next highest is Getzlaff, I think at like 57, 58. And then there's only a couple more players over the last four games above 50%. That, that's more of a Troy Terry thing. And, and Troy Terry just doing very well when he has the puck in his stick. Again, expected goals for. He's leading the Ducks over the last four games with 75.9%. High danger chances for over the last four games, 82.45%, and the scoring chances for is, is just under 80% while he's on the ice at 5-on-5 five five over the last four games. He's just generating offense. That That's all he's doing. And, and, you know, the production you would like to see a bit better than a goal and an assist in four games, especially a player producing that, you know, that well in terms of shot attempts and, and scoring chances and expected goals for, you would hope that, he would be up there with Getzlaff and Fowler having four points, if not more, over the last four games. So so maybe that's the, the one downside to all this. But at least he's trending, it seems, in the right direction. Yeah, his underlying numbers are, are good. Um, the, the visual test is better than it has been through the start of the season. But it's not... I guess if your expectation is for him to be on the top line or play with a Getzlaff, you, you kind of expect him to, to be, I don't want to say over the top, he's just, you expect him to be pronounced. You you expect to see, oh, there's Troy Terry. Oh, Troy Terry's doing Troy Terry things. And it's just, it's more or less, he's, he's in the area and he's around a good play, but he's not driving the play or he's not making the play happen. Uh, and even though you know his underlying stats seem like that's maybe happening, if you if you watch the games, he's just he's there and he's close. He's just just off a little bit. And once again, that execution where it's just a little bit off. Now that's not to say he's a bad player. He'll never amount to anything or anything like that because his numbers are very similar to what Raquel or Corey Perry when they first started playing. It's very similar. It takes you know. 82 games and all of a sudden you kind of get into that rhythm then all of a sudden pucks start going in those things that you maybe would pass up you don't and you make a shot and it goes in um so we would hope we were hoping i would think that he was going to kind of accelerate a little bit quicker and we were kind of waiting for that to happen and giving him the good minutes and the good line mates to make that happen it hasn't quite happened but once again just just don't push it don't rush it uh anything he does positive just keep it going and eventually it'll fall into place as it normally does yeah i think you you can only go so long driving play 
and contributing to to offense the way Troy Terry has been over the last four games before pucks start going in for you. Like it's it's going to happen as long as he can consistently play like this over the next ten <laughs> like, to fifteen games. Kasha is doing that, or Kasha, however you call him. Yeah, uh, right? I mean, like been, I mean, he tries plays crazy. It's, yeah, it's been kind happening. of, but it's like a yeah. not, not to that point. I mean, like, but I mean, I would say almost like a, the ratio of like you would see how good Kasha is doing, and he go like, man. He should have points there, and they're just they're not there. But it's not like he's bad. Whereas sure Terry is like on a smaller scale, he's kind of doing some similar things. You're just like the points should be there, they're just not there yet. But I think that's that's the difference between a young player figuring out where he's going to fit in the NHL versus Akasha, who although young knows what he's supposed to be doing, and eventually those things start going in. So we'll see what happens with Terry, but. I hope I, I hope he, he starts producing because the Ducks need one of their younger guys to, to start producing at a high level here. If Sam Steele's been 20 goals out of one of them. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. And we at the beginning of the season, we ran a poll and uh, at, at least all of them got votes. Comtois was the, the eventual winner of that poll over a majority of over 50% said that he, and that was for 25 goals. If which of these ducks mm-hmm. forwards could hit 25 and we had steel come to Terry and Jones. <laughs> and, you know, again, the fact that all of them received votes showed how split ducks fans were and how I guess hyped they were for these young guys this season. And now we'd be lucky if one of them hit 20 goals, not even 25 to, to say the least. And yeah, do you it, think any duck player hits 25? I, I think so this year. There, there's a few on pace for it. I think Silverberg Getzlaff? can do it. Getzlaff is on pace for 26. What about, your, now, what, what about your boy Raquel? I think the, the two best Ducks players to have a chance at hitting 25-plus are Silverberg and Raquel. I think outside shot to Ryan Getzlaff and Adam Henrique, but Henrique's already kind of cooled off a bit. Um, Derek Grant, the way he's playing right Derek now, he's, he's on pace. He's on pace for around twenty-five. I don't elite, think uh, elite center number one. I don't think that happens for him. I would love for it to happen for him. I, I think Andre Kasha <laughs> still has an outside shot because he has the potential to get hot. And the way he shoots the puck, it, it's never out of the question until you know maybe we start hitting the the halfway mark of the season. But um, I, I think Silverberg and Raquel have well, we're, really good. We're shots struggling to try and find. A or multiple 25 goal scorers, that's not a good sign. <laughs> no, no. And that kind of leads <laughs> us into our next topic. Uh, fellow writer at the the hockey writer with the Ducks, Anthony Shardelli, uh, he put out an article titled, Do the Ducks Need a Sniper? And uh, referenced Taylor Hall, which we've talked about in the past. Referenced Mike Hoffman, who's also an unrestricted free agent with the Florida Panthers, has 10 goals so far this season. And then Eric Stevens put out an article on Taylor Hall. Uh, hypothetical, if the Ducks could get him, should get him, will they get him? We've talked about this before, but in a general sense, do the Ducks need a sniper to make the playoffs this year? Uh, I wouldn't say to make the playoffs. Uh, I would say to do anything substantial in the playoffs, absolutely, because uh, uh, they, they might be able to sneak into the playoffs, and I'm not saying they're getting the playoffs, just look at us, we're walking in, we got it. It's like, oh my God, we got in. We just barely crawl ourselves over that. Uh, and then once they get there and everything shuts down offensively, uh, this team is not going to go f- very far, in my opinion. Um 
can they make the playoffs? Yes. Do they need a sniper to do it? No. Do they need to do anything to to get them farther in the playoffs? They absolutely need someone to step up and score. I mean, at this point, you're asking, you know, we've just been talking about it, you're asking Ryan Getzloff to kind of almost lead the way or Silverberg. And other than that, uh, you're going to have to have depth scoring somewhere. You're just going to have to have a go-to guy, someone that can put the puck in the net. Can Hall do it? He can. He's shown it in the past, but he's... He's not off to a, a great start this year either. I mean, New Jersey's not in any capacity. Um, Hoffman's a bit of a stretch. I think Florida's not really willing to get rid of that, him because of how well they're doing, and he can light up later, even though he's only got 10 goals now. He can easily light up later. So I, I don't feel there's... free agent, which doesn't, uh, doesn't play into... Bob Murray's typical plans when it comes to no. players. And especially yeah, and especially if you're you're trying to get someone of that caliber who can put up goals, you're gonna pay a premium price through younger players or draft picks, and that's not Bob Murray style. So I mean he's he's not gonna get a rental. Not not a high profile one at least. Yeah, and that's the case uh, that Tarek Stevens made it for Taylor Hall. Uh, the case he said for is the Ducks would get you know the best finisher they've had since Corey Perry and obviously Bobby Ryan before that, uh, having a player who could hit 30 goals plus and, and 80 to 90 points uh, would be definitely ideal and be something the Ducks desperately need. And the fact that you know Taylor Hall knows Adam Henrique from playing uh, in Jersey, knows Cam Fowler from playing with him in Windsor when they won a Memorial Cup back in the, back in the OHL. It's a long, long time ago. Maybe. So I don't know how. Yeah, much yeah, you're, you're you're making a pull there. <laughs> it's like, hey, oh, yeah, that's, we, that's Eric we, we knew each other that mind. one time eight years that's, ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't put much stock into guys playing together in junior and it working out. But hey, I mean, yeah. Dylan Stroman and Alex DeBrinket was working in in Chicago last year, and they you know the whole thing around that was they played together in Erie. And it was working there. I mean, they're a little bit less removed from the OHL than Taylor Hall and Cam Fowler are. So there's some merit maybe there. Uh, Eric Stevens' case against is something we've already mentioned. One, he's a UFA. We'll be looking to get a seven- to eight-year deal, depending, obviously, if the eight-year deal he'd have to sign with New Jersey. Sign and trade would probably be the way Bob Murray would go if that happened, and that would be a seven or eight year deal at north of eight to nine million dollars, which I can't see happening. And he's twenty eight, so or he's turning twenty eight, I think. So that contract would take him to thirty five or thirty six, which is not something I think the Ducks want to get tied up to at this point. And then also thrown into God. that the fact they'd have to give up likely a first round pick this year. Because of their position, they would have to make sure it's top five or top ten protected, which means if they did miss the playoffs and finish that low with Taylor Hall on the team, it'd be an Ottawa Senators situation where next year's pick would be unprotected and at the taking for the New Jersey Devils, which is not a situation you want to be in. We saw that with the Senators. They got lucky that they didn't fall at number one and lose out on Jack Hughes or Capocacco. But... It, there's so many working pieces, and the Ducks would have to give up that pick, and Maxim Comtois likely, if not an Andre Cash or something else, to get a player like Taylor Hall. And I just don't think Taylor Hall pushes them into that Stanley Cup competition. I, I think it, it makes them a team that can compete and can surprise some people, but they're not good enough in other areas if, to say that they are even competitive in the Western Conference. 
with if the ducks if the ducks were desperate like columbus was last year just to get in the playoffs in a playoff win a series win then maybe they missed the playoffs last year it's tough for this market to miss multiple years but bob murray has said almost from the outset uh you know from the end of last year all the way through this whole offseason it's it's not a full transition it's not a rebuild it's it's just the kids are going to make that transition to make this team a little bit better and there's going to be growing pains there's a new coach younger players Old guys are kind of going out, new guys are coming in, and they're going to figure it out. They're not going to mortgage more of that stuff just on the hopes that we might make the playoffs and that that guy might make some sort of difference. This team's not capable of winning the Stanley Cup, in my opinion, unless a whole lot of things go right. And John Gibson just is all of a sudden John Gibson of the first few months of every season in the playoffs. That's about the only way I can see it going really far. And Bob Murray is a conservative GM. He's not one that ever goes out. And if he ever does, you take notice. Like, Who's this guy? So don't don't be surprised. I mean, he's got two more years on his contract that takes him through the next expansion. He's not going to sit here and try and make some bold move all of a sudden out of character to get a team that you know barely into the playoffs, maybe to get out out of the first round it's just he's not going to do that it's just not his style and honestly it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense yeah it's a fun pipe dream and maybe hey that would be great to see if that actually happened but what are you giving up for it you're it's your your satisfaction now for your mortgage in the future for it and it doesn't make sense now it shouldn't make sense to anybody who really cares about the ducks no, no. Uh, I want to throw a couple names at you here. A few of them. I think most of these guys, if not all of them, are UFAs. Um, I want to get your idea, if, uh, your opinion on if you would make a trade if you're the Ducks to get these guys. I feel like most of these are probably a no. One we just talked about, Taylor <laughs> Hall. Got that answer yeah. from you. That's a no. Uh, Mike Hoffman. We kind of talked about him a bit. I, I don't. I don't think he's really that available. I mean, yeah, he's a restricted, uh, a restricted free agent and might be trade bait. But I think Florida is doing a lot better than they were to start the season, and they're going to want that goal scoring. So I don't even think he's really an option, even though he kind of fits the criteria under producing about to be a restricted free agent. I think he did enough last year, and he's going to continue. He'll pick it up as time goes on, and Florida needs that extra goal scoring. So, no. The next guy fits into your idea earlier in the show on having bigger guys, guys who can muck it up, get the dirty goals in front of the net. It's Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers. I believe he's an unrestricted free agent as well. Or at least has one more year. He's either got a uh, unrestricted free agent this year. How old is he? I feel like that name's been around. 26, I think. 20, I 27 at most. He's not much older than that. Uh, I feel like that's a name I've heard forever. Um, no, what, what? I mean, it's a depth move. Um, but, I mean... I don't know. I mean, the, the Rangers accelerated their their rebuild very quickly in getting Panarin and getting Kako. Um, I just don't think that they're willing to give up a guy like that. So it's like 
it's fun to think of these guys as available, but I just don't think they really are. Like, you go, oh, yeah, well, you're a free agent, so they might be looking to move them. But look at where the team is, and are they really willing to move them? And I just don't think anyone at, at most 27, and we're saying he's probably more like 25 or 26. 28, That's guy, just checked. Yeah, he's 28. Uh, okay, I was going to say, so he said 27 at most. Now, to, to be uh, fair, all of these guys, to Hoffman, be fair, Hall, Kreider, and the next one I'm going to mention is Jason Zucker, have all been either this season or at the end of last season involved in trade rumors from reputable sources of guys that are potentially going to be involved in trades or the team has been exploring trades. But literally the Rangers were like, we're in a long rebuild. And then they got Panarin. And then they got Kako. That's this season. Yeah, that's this year. So now it's like, all right. Kreider trade rumors are as old as only two weeks old. Yeah. So that that's, I, that's I, mean, I mean, I, I he's a guy I would like on the Ducks, but it's not like someone that just once again I just feel like yeah maybe second in line maybe he does something on the power play, but at what cost? And I think the Rangers are better equipped to keep him for a couple more years and resign him if they want. But I mean, if they they feel like they're not going to make the playoffs, they can get a lot of value out of it. Once again, it's it's more like they have the value. And the Ducks aren't willing to overspend for anything. So if there's something yeah. of value, the Ducks better be in a position that that value makes sense now. Strike it. Let's do it. We'll mortgage a little bit of it if it makes enough sense for us now. And the Ducks aren't in that position. They just uh, I, I almost think there's there's no one they're really going to go back. No. Do a guy I don't think so. I think the Ducks are. If you could pick somebody right now. Now, like realistically, oh, I love if you could pick no, no, no. Real, realistically, if you could pick somebody right now that the Ducks could go out and get, you know, just taking out the ridiculous names like Ovechkin and McDavid and Drysdale and those guys, if there was a guy you could go out and you know make an argument that the Ducks could actually go out and get this guy, do you have a name that you would want the Ducks to go get right now? Literally, just checking things off, and there's there's no one that's in a. a top six you can say no I, i'm just I, wondering if you if you have a name or not yeah no and I, and I don't think that's what the ducks want to do and i don't think that's what bob murray wants the team to do i think he wants the team to to go through this season it's ups and it's downs it's learning curves and let those younger players develop into the players they need to be and then revisit this next year and see if there's better unrestricted free agents that are coming up um, and see if it goes it goes from there. But right now, this team is too it's too erratic. It's too erratic to to hitch a horse to it and go. Listen, we're willing to drop a lot of assets to pick up somebody that's going to maybe push us over the edge because you don't know really what you're going to get with a, you know when you put your your in kids that haven't quite done it yet. They're they're going to be there. They're going to be good. I don't have any qualms with that is just it's not this year and so it's just like let's ride this out let's try and get in the playoffs let's get experience next year we become a different team a much more experienced team from a young prospect and then you know young prospect sort of um uh viewpoint but then also it's just like yeah Ken Fowler has turned into a very good leadership role I think Getzloff still there he can obviously produce goals now if he wants to and you still got Gibson. Uh, hopefully, Miller's still there. So this team is a year removed from being a more dominant force. And to try and mortgage what you have, to try and just 
force you into the playoffs or possibly out of the first round of the playoffs when you there's really no realistic way of you getting to the finals or to get in the Stanley Cup finals it just it doesn't make sense to me so there's no one I would really want to get that would have value that we'd have to give up future considerations for yeah, the, the chat's really split on this. So Dave is kind of on the same wavelength as you where he said, I wouldn't want to see the Ducks trade for anybody this season if it means getting rid of prospects or draft picks. If we're not expecting to contend this year, then what's the Good point man, of trading, that, <laughs> trading for anybody unless the Ducks are trading for prospects or high draft picks? Uh, that's generally the boat I tend to sit myself into in the sense I don't think it makes sense right now for the Ducks to go out and get players but uh, Apparition makes a good point uh, on his end on, on kind of the opposite side of the argument he says to me prospects are just prospects they may or may not work out if you can get a for sure established player to help out and take the pressure off the young guys going forward that's worth it to me I see some merit in that argument too I, I know I don't think it means selling the farm to go get Taylor Hall uh, but, you know, some, some names that were brought up in the chat are Jesse Pugliarvi, who the, the Oilers just lost out on him for the entire NHL season because they missed the, the deadline to get uh, a uh, qualifying off, offer or yeah. something like that. So he can't play regular season or playoffs this year. So trading him, trade value on him is an all-time low for the Edmonton Oilers right now. So maybe you can go out and get him for cheap. You wouldn't get him this year. But if you could get him for cheap, you can maybe have him next year. And he's a former third overall pick and is is a good option for the Ducks there. Uh, Phil said Matt Zuccarello or Rasmus Ristolainen. We've heard Ristolainen's name before, but apparently the price was too high. And uh, Realize92 said Colin Miller. And that's a guy uh, we mentioned when he was in Vegas before he got sent to Buffalo as a possible good option for the Ducks. And clearly Vegas did not want to send him individually. Can we just get Montour back? I know how much you love Montour. Let's get Montour back. Maybe I mean that that trade uh, that'll trade all depends on Braden Tracy in, in my opinion what he <laughs> he ends up turning out to be but yeah I I think people are all kind of spread over the place on right now what the Ducks should do if I had one name and this this name has not changed over the last five years of who I would want this play but this player has jumped I think two different teams just now. just just say my he name was in Jason Detroit Lamb. when I wanted Jason him Lamb. went to Vegas didn't do anything in Vegas <laughs> went to Montreal and now he's an absolute stud. In Montreal, Tatar. Thomas Tatar. Tatar. That is the guy <laughs> I would love to have on this team. Possession monster, uh-huh. putting up the points this year. Uh, a, almost a point per game player. Uh, Phil called it Thomas Tatar. Um, he is just job, the player I think would work perfectly with it with a, a player like Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, man, I, I, again, I, I can't say enough about him. I, I think um, you know he's one so of the just... best. Pos- what? Why, what? why did you even? Why? Why did you propose to your girlfriend? Just propose to this dude? Come I would now. if I could, but he's got. Uh, <laughs> he's in Canada. He's close. You can do it. No, he's got a girlfriend that's a lot hotter than me, so that. Uh, oh that's well, not, that's, that's not just fly. because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. Yeah, there you go. But uh, no, <laughs> for, in, in all seriousness, um, Thomas Tatar, yeah. the uh, Montreal Canadiens, yeah. eight-game losing streak yeah. before breaking it against New York Islanders. Not saying they'd be sellers at any point, but. Qatar is on the older end. Cost. I, I mean, if it if it cost me second round pick and Max you Jones, think they'd I'm, give him I'd take just it. a second? I take it. I, I think I think yeah. Thomas Tatar right I now, a player actually. who can put up fifty or sixty points in a season, at his, even at his age, he's, he's I think twenty seven or twenty eight. 
I think 50 or 60 points is more than Max Jones will put up at any point in his career. I don't think Max Jones will be a 50 or 60 point player. I think he has the size on Thomas Tatar, but I don't think the Ducks need to to have that type of size. Maxim come to us a guy I'd be I'd be reluctant to give up. But I is he ever going to be a 50 Troy or 60 Taylor. point player? Troy Terry. Troy Terry is is a guy I would consider throwing in into that as well into that discussion and in a deal to bring in a player like Thomas Tatar. I would also... Yeah. Yes, so yeah, you're reluctant about that. I, I mean, no, I, what, I, what are Troy Max Terry Jones. I, I, and Max Jones going to be? Are they going to be twenty goal scorers and fifty to sixty point players on the yes. absolute high end of their ceiling? Maybe, but I just I can't see for multiple seasons. I uh, know. I, I I would absolutely say Max Max Max. I I've watched Max Jones game, and you know, I'm just just waiting. For for it to click, and uh, I'm not willing to give up on uh, essentially what's added up to maybe one season, and and him not quite hitting it because he he has we've talked about this before where he's got that same kind of X factor as uh, Akasha does, where it's just it doesn't matter who he plays with, you notice the dude. The dude creates plays. He creates he creates chaos. He creates. Um, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of uh, friction in there. So yeah, he's got size and the physical part of it, but that that's kind of a smaller part of his game. I think he just has the tenacity to go in there. Where Troy Terry is more of that perimeter player, and he'll look for the good chances. He might make the good shot here and there, but that'll become hit or miss, and it'll become a little bit not there. I think, in my opinion, Max Jones will develop develop more into your 20 goal scorer 25 goal scorer in my opinion over the course of his career i think we have such a small sample size but just in that small sample size i see the talent and the the drive and the ability to drive play that i don't see in troy terry and even though tatar is good you're asking him to be an impact player on this season next season and then you're hoping he's going to be good third season down the Ducks aren't going to be that team this season. So you're hoping next season is where everyone breaks out because otherwise whatever you gave up for Tatar is now you're hoping Tatar in the third or fourth season of contract or however long you have them, that is better than what you gave up. And you, you might be able to find that. But if Troy Terry all of a sudden starts killing or Max Jones starts playing better, just like Max Domi started playing way better um, on on Montreal as well. Uh, you know, it's just you can all of a sudden just give up a good young player to try and get this twenty eight year old player and get a couple good seasons out. I could see it if the Ducks were really close and they needed that extra little kick. Then I get more of the Tatar for a Max Jones or something like that. But they're, in my opinion, my expectation of where the Ducks are going to go in the playoffs isn't that high, and I don't think even next season it's really worth giving up a guy who can really propel you five years down the road. Max Domi was also a 12th overall pick uh, once upon a time. So Mm -hmm. he had that potential ceiling that we were waiting for him to hit. Uh, Troy Terry, if I had to pick between Troy Terry and Max Jones, it would be Troy Terry that I would (laughs) would involve in a trade for for Thomas Tatar. Uh, And honestly, I think it would be Troy Terry would be the guy that uh, that Montreal would be looking for. I think they have players like Max Jones in their team, and I think Troy Terry would be – a guy they'd be looking to fill in there, and and uh, maybe they instead of the pick they want a player like Jakob Larson or you know something along those lines to kind of help out on both ends of the ice. I don't think it's impossible. 
you know, yeah. maybe maybe it's uh, Troy Terry and, and Nick Ritchie or something like that. You know, I, I don't know, but well, I, I don't think it's out what of the realm of possibility. What do you think Tatar's doing? What do you think Tatar would do if he got on the Ducks? So not necessarily this year. Say it's a, a wash, and they, they get him. They get him for Troy Terry and you know uh, Jakob Larson. And now it's next season, and it's Tatar. You think he's he's getting thirty goals? No, I think he's getting twenty to twenty-five, uh, fifty to fifty-five points. Potentially more if he's playing the entire season with Ryan Getzlaff. If, mm-hmm. if he plays with Ryan Getzlaff, Ryan Getzlaff is the best center he's played with in his entire career the best passer he's played with his entire career. With a, a shot that uh, like a player like Thomas Tatar possesses, I, I think he could do very well with Ryan Getzlaff. I think it's the Bob Murray-type contract you're looking for, a player, you know, a 50- to 60-point player at only $4.8 million, and he's locked in for only this year and next year. That is a Bob Murray deal if I've ever seen one to go after a player like that. And if you can send some salary back in the sense of Nick Ritchie's $1.8 million or whatever to kind of cover the cost a little bit, and then also you know a, a younger player in Max Jones or Troy Terry, it doesn't decimate the Ducks. You know, you get Tatar, who's an immediate upgrade over over um, over Nick Ritchie, and then you you're supplementing that uh, that increase with a young player like Troy Terry, like Max Jones. Um, I don't think Max Jones ever becomes a 20 goal, 50 point player. I think you know, on a very good year, playing with some very good players, he could hit 20 goals. I think he could maybe get close to 40 points, but I just don't think he's that type of player. And uh, Troy Terry. Troy Terry, I put him in that same realm. I don't think he's a consistent 20-goal scorer. I think he's more of a passer. I could see him at 40, 45 points in a good year, uh, but I cannot see him. I, I think when it's all said and done, I think you look at these players' careers after they're done, I think Thomas Tatar is the better player than what Max Jones and Troy Terry become. That's projecting. I have no idea, obviously, and I'm not I'm not going to say I'm an expert on what these guys are going <laughs> to come up, but I'm that's, just, out of my ass that's just my, my personal that. opinion on Max Jones and Troy Terry is is I think a lot of people have hyped them up a bit more than what uh, what they'll end up producing. And, you know, I could eat my words down the road if, if Troy Terry and Max Jones become 50 to 60 point players. But that there's not that many of those guys in the league to say that there's – you know, there's so many of these guys that, yeah, Max Jones and, and Troy Terry could easily become 50 to 60 point players. Like 50 to 60 point players are at a premium in this league. There aren't many of them. And to say that Jones and Terry are going to be those guys, I have not seen enough to to say that that's going to happen. And I know it's early, but I, I just can't well, see it. The way ceilings were never that. Don't we have? Do we have a, a 50 point getter already? And we're a quarter of the way in the season. A guy on pace for it? Doesn't someone have 50 points? Oh, McDavid. No, no, no. Someone's McDavid. already got 50 points. McDavid. 50. There you go. Yeah. All right. Record of the way season. All right. Um, what's I going to say? Uh, yeah, no. I'll, I'll just disagree. Uh, I, not not that I don't think your point is valid or that um, you couldn't be right. So I'm just kind of, I guess, on the opposite side. Like, well, we'll – Max Jones be a, a consistent 20-goal, 50-point guy. I'm on the side of, yes, he is. I could see him not doing it, but I'm more optimistic he can, just based, I guess, more on the eye test than anything. And if he actually gets top-minute playing times, and he, I hate saying the word refine his game, but literally if he just shoots a little bit more instead of trying to make that last little play, then maybe you start seeing pucks go in the net. But he's got a good shot. He's got good instincts around the net. It's just 
the release and the finish. And if he can do that, we're in a lot better shape. But right now the Ducks are missing a whole lot of that finish. So it kind of amplifies when you see him not do it. But you're asking a kid who hasn't really gotten that great opportunity year in and year out to show what he can do. And, yeah, it sucks. I don't even say it sucks that he's going to the AHL, but he's going to go there. And I think, once again, it's just getting that I'm shooting, I'm going to do this, I'm not waiting around. I think you'll 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 see a much better Max Jones as his career progresses. Troy Terry, I think he also will be better, but I think he'll also his ceiling was cast really high, and I don't think he'll ever hit there. Um, but I can kind of see him once again. I, I can see maybe twenty, maybe fifty points, but definitely more of a assist guy than a goal scoring guy, yeah. uh, unless he has a really hot season. So. Yeah. It's just, are we, are we willing to go a uh, season and a half at Tatar and willing to give up the, the future of what Terry or Jones could do? And I'm just not at a point where I think that I've given up on either of those two players who I don't think have played 100 games in their NHL career yet and just calling it, well, that's yeah. all we're going to get from them. No, no, and, and I think that that's completely feasible. Um, by no means, like I said, am, am I an expert in predicting what these these players could become? God, and, no, and, you're kidding. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that's just that's my personal uh, opinion on what their ceilings could yeah. be. But there there are some Ducks players, uh, Ducks prospects who are playing very well this year, and we'll kind of close the show talking about them. Uh, Benoit Olivier Gru has a last time I checked, so it could be more now. He had a ten game point streak running in November, so he had points in every game for the Halifax Mooseheads in the months of November. Uh, he has been named to Canada's World Junior Camp, which is great for him. Uh, the one player who hasn't, which kind of was more so headlines in, in Ducks community than it was anywhere else, but Braden Tracy was not brought to Canada's World Junior Camp. He's having an impressive season. He's ah. one of the top uh, point producers in the WHL on a point-per-game basis. Uh, he also signed his entry-level contract with the Ducks. So... Gru is going to the camp doesn't mean he'll go to the tournament, but Make Canada Canada routinely, they love to have players like Ben Benoit Olivier Gru in the lineup. Guys who can win faceoffs at the rate that Benoit Olivier Gru can against his own age group, Canada finds it extremely valuable in tournaments like the World Junior Championship, and Gru's faceoff percentage in the queue right now is like 59%. So I find him, you know, making the team in a second or third line role, getting some, you know, penalty kill time, potentially some power play two time with Canada. I think he makes the team. I'm a bit surprised about Braden Tracy. Uh, I would have liked to see him at least get a shot at camp to do it, especially after signing his entry level contract. Yeah. <laughs> I know so little about the I, uh, I, I know, so but I'm going to yeah. defer to you. He, he's supposed. To, I mean. Again, he's part of the the Brendan Gooley Brandon Montour trade, right? He he's supposed to be the goal scorer that the Ducks picked up in this draft. Trevor Zegris was the the point getter, the the playmaker. Braden Tracy was the goal scorer, and despite the you know the only bad thing that's happened for Tracy this year is he got a two game suspension for an elbowing incident. Other than that, he's been producing at uh, oh the old a, Cogliano. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty bad though. He he deserves oh, suspension, but I deserve that. It, I like he's Hagliana. producing at uh, like a, a two point per game pace, which is which is one of the best in the league. And just you know, for him getting back, he started late because he had that injury that kept him out all of rookie camp and training camp for the Ducks and part of preseason as well. Stayed here into the WHL season, didn't get down there. I think until what seven games in, so he's played less games. 
So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not. Yeah, too that was my that though. was my next question. Why yeah. why would you think why would you think they wouldn't want him? Yeah, and and honestly, I I think there's a couple things that go into that. Um, the one Sam Steele was in his draft plus one season. We thought he was going to go. He didn't go. He put up 130 points and led the CHL the entire CHL in in points in in that season. So it's not the end of the world if he doesn't go. And uh, Braden Trace yeah. is pace to have a very good season. And and honestly, I think for him, uh, you know, as, as great as it is to go to that tournament, he's a guy who could benefit from sticking around and playing the entire season with the team and not having the distraction of going to the tournament. It helped out Sam Steele. I think it could help out Braden Tracy, especially since this is technically his sophomore season in the WHL. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was one of the rare players to not play a full rookie season when he should have deferred that went back down to I think triple a then played his rookie season in his draft year which doesn't really happen put up big numbers he needs to prove that that wasn't a one-off and I think not going to that tournament and sticking around with Moose Jaw over over that um, you know couple week stretch of the tournament and playing well I think is big uh, for his game I, I, I hope he does well I honestly do and I, and I hope Gru makes the team uh, as for the other prospects, we got a question in the chat from Phil about Trevor Zegras, so we'll move on to the U.S. I think Trevor Zegras is a lock. Uh, he's a producing at a point yeah. of game pace for Boston uh, Boston University. He slowed down a bit, but he's still playing first line there, which is, again, impressive for a first-year freshman to be producing at a point-per-game pace uh, in the NCAA. Not many guys are doing it this year. I think it's at least that out. one I can I can semi intelligently talk about, and yeah. that the goals he has scored have been otherworldly. I mean, one from I mean, his knee. Yeah, I mean, not just, even just the goals he scored. He he's known for his playmaking and some of the passes that he's been able to make so far uh, in his early time with Boston University have been unbelievable. I mean, this is a kid that you know, all the kids that came from that uh, national development team program so far they've been. All playing very well in yeah, Turcotte, Caulfield, uh, Thrun, another Ducks pick with Harvard. He's playing very, very well on defense. Not a guy who normally puts up points, and I think he's at a point-per-game pace last time I checked up on him. So, again, he's playing well. Spencer Knight's playing well, and obviously Trevor Zegras uh, is playing very well. So I, I think he is as close to a lock as you can get for Team USA, and I think he's a top-six player for them. When do they announce the Team USA? Is that like tomorrow? Uh, Team USA's camp, I think, is supposed to be announced on Friday. Now, this is just Friday. the yeah. camp, and yeah. then the rosters get finalized closer to Will Jr.'s, which is uh, Will Jr.'s start on, on the 26th, which is Boxing Day in Canada, which is just another day of December for you guys. But, yeah, so uh, Boxing Day now, now Boxing Day is where you guys do all your shopping or something? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a mini Black Friday. It's, we have Black yeah, Friday here, okay. but it's not Why do you guys deal. do Black Friday after Christmas? It's not Black Friday, and the, the, the deals aren't as good, but there are some sales, and it, it's like... Is this also an everybody... English thing, too? An England thing? I, and I don't thing? think so. I think it's just a Canadian just you? Thing. Yeah, it's so just us. Boxing Day. Why you call it Boxing uh, Day? Because you buy things, you put it's it on always, boxes, ship it? I've never actually gone out. For me, it's always been the start of World <laughs> Juniors. So it's just World Juniors Day for me. Um, but Ziggler uh, should be a uh, lock for, for Team USA. Uh, Henry Thrun, I hope he makes the team. But uh, the two outside ones, I think, are Blake McLaughlin, who's having a so-so year with Minnesota. He's there with Jack Perbix, who we interviewed both of them on yep. the podcast. Yeah, they are. So they're there he is. There. Is and, uh, yeah, and Jackson Lacombe, uh, Ducks' second-round pick from 
this past draft uh, is playing there as well. I All think right. I think Blake McLaughlin, uh, the forward slash it. defenseman. Yes. Yes, and he's doing all right. He's not. He's not doing too bad there. Mm-hmm. As uh, coming out of high he's school, he's right? Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. And he played the high school. He was like at a Catholic or Christian high school or something like that. And then no, he's at Shadow like St. They... Mary's. So that's. Oh, so that's see, weird. I always say I associate St. Mary's as Catholic or something. No, I, I, I don't think it is, but it, it's like the hockey school when it comes to high school. Like it's like one of the main ones. Like Crosby went there, and uh, a bunch of other, you know top NHLers have gone through that program so but it's a big jump coming from uh, high school to the NCAA and Jackson has done has done pretty well uh, so Blake McLaughlin is maybe an outside chance because he I think he was there last year with the with the U.S. so maybe he he kind of gets that uh, you know that uh, bit of a, a shortcut there and, and him making the team uh, I think the most interesting one for me is Trevor Janicki because Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the NCAA and uh, this kid has come in and just played well i think he's leading the team in goals or he's second in the team in goals with five in in uh, his first few games with them so far he had a four game goal scoring streak going on and he's playing on their third line so it's not like he's getting top line minutes there so he's uh he's been impressive so i mean if the ducks can get grew for canada zegris and and maybe another one or two guys for the u.s and then lucas dostal he was on the the camp for the checks but i think Everybody knew um, going into this that he was going to be the starting goaltender for the Czech he's Republic. A, he's a guy. Yeah. He's playing top. Yeah. Uh, he's playing in, in the top league in Finland in Liga, and he's just dominating that league. Like insane numbers. His save percentage over his last eight games is like nine nine fifty. Schools against average is like one point four over the that stretch too. And on the season, on the season he's built it up after three bad starts to like a nine twenty two and a one point eight five goals against average. So. He's he's playing very very well in in a very difficult league, and what's his first full season in this league too? So, this is as good a goalie as you're going to get in the tournament. He could honestly be the best goalie that we see at the tournament. I think Spencer Knight's going to be there, so that's saying something. That Dosso could be the best goaltender at the tournament. But when you've that that kind of experience under mm-hmm. your belt this year, it goes a long way. And you're going against your peers, yeah. you know, guys. And he's older than a lot of these guys too. But you're going in. And you're playing against 20 year olds, and yes, there's some of the top young prospects. That's that's a huge advantage for a goaltender to kind of drop down to that level and go into in a tournament with that experience. Yeah, yeah, and for for goalies too, you know, it's it's kind of experience, uh, kind of like you said, it's like seeing plays happen or being familiar with the the shooters and how how the I don't want to say the new NHL or how how hockey is played now, and it's a much quicker, faster shooting game. You got to be a lot better positionally. So the more experience he has, and especially if he's dominating such a good league, uh, then it'll be interesting to watch him do this and see where he can possibly become that next backup that we're looking for. He could be here as early as next year. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking that yeah. too. I mean, I, I, I hate to say uh, we could bring him in and you know kick Miller to curb. I'd rather have Miller another season if possible, and then just give him one more year, see what he could do, like, like HL, just the North American style of hockey, and see where it kind of goes from there, and then maybe make that next step. Yeah, I mean, but you, you know, we haven't seen. It's not. Uh, impossible for a goaltender to make a jump from the top finish league over to the NHL. We've seen it happen time and time again. So um, it's not another question to see him up with the Ducks next year. I think it all depends on what happens with Ryan Miller, but 
he could be a NHL goalie as soon as next season, if not, you know, the season after that. I think if Miller comes back, or even if the Ducks decide to go a different route, uh, Dostal will either be the start, the backup in Anaheim, or the starter in San Diego next year. That's how I, I kind of feel about his situation. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how he would personally feel about being a starter in the AHL. Maybe that's not for him, and he goes back to Finland for another year, and then decides to come over to Anaheim. But I think his time in the NHL uh, is nearing, and I think he's going to be a very good goaltender. And uh, uh, Dave had a question. He said, if Gibby falters over the next couple of years, can Dostal (laughs) take over the crease? Uh, Very, very early to predict that. I, you know, yes, he's playing good in Finland, but (laughs) there's a lot, there's a lot of ifs. Yeah. It it might not. Yeah. I'd give John Gibson a wide berth. I mean, like if he falters and it's consistent falter for three years, then maybe go like, all right, well, that one all-star game really seemed to F him up for the rest of his career. So I guess we're out, but I'm God, I just don't see how, eh? uh, yeah, that's about it. Or what everyone will eventually say. I, I I just don't see it. And I've talked to, uh, people that don't like the ducks and hate everything about the ducks. And they go, but that Gibson dude, he's good. He's tops. Good. So, I mean, if everyone's on board with Gibson, I, I find it next to impossible unless he's just dog ass for the next two years. Then, then maybe Dawson wins it over. So it's just whether or not we, he, you know, he's ready to be a backup or we we'll see what's going on. But that, that's Gibby for forever until yeah. he's completely injured or just completely drops off the planet. But I don't see that happening. I think if Dostal proves he's that good, uh, despite he gets traded. play over that, yeah, he the, he becomes trade bait and gets traded before it even gets to that point. That I don't think the Ducks are going to put themselves in another Gibson, Freddie Anderson type uh, situation where they have a one A one B and. They're gonna have to pay both of these guys a you know a ton of money. Maybe that happens Ooh. for a few seasons with Dostal on, on the entry level, but I think uh, you keep Dostal in the AHL for a couple of the seasons and keep Ryan Miller just so when Seattle comes, you have to just cover Gibson, protect Dostal, and then you got your Ryan Miller as your possible pickup. Uh, I I, I, I mean, don't think Dostal has to be exposed because I think the earliest he could oh, start NHL right. yeah. is next year, so he wouldn't have to be exposed. Yeah, but either way, be... I I think Ryan Miller's last season is probably this, this year. year? Really? Maybe maybe one more. Uh, he's thirty nine. Like I don't I don't think he plays forty it, plus. But he doesn't look league. bad. He, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Bad he, he doesn't. I, I mean, just he, think at one point he looks he like a starter. Him. Like I mean, Minnesota, I think would be dying for him <laughs> at this point. So I mean, uh, if it's not with, I mean, he's not going anywhere unless it's the Ducks or the Kings. He wants to be in Southern California because of family reasons. But mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I guess if he goes like, well, both these teams suck, so I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it's so much. Um... You no, know, he can't play. I just think he's, he's looking to for a point cup. where it's, where it's just it's just done. Like it's or just it's you know you're forty now. Like he he'll be forty at the beginning of next year, I believe. And oh, uh, I'm thirty five. I don't many... I'll ever quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I just level. compared myself to the most yeah, American. Yeah. Maybe you can take his job yeah. until Dostal gets here. There you go. So um, I'm waiting for that call. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I I think if it gets to that point. Um, 
and and there's a real consideration that Dostal could be a starter in this league. Uh, the Ducks could explore trade options at that point because I don't think John Gibson's ever going to regress to a point that the Ducks are like, ah oh, man, we're going to have to trade yeah, this Dostal guy. Dostal kids no play better. Really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's not a bad situation, not a bad problem to have. If Dostal was so good that you're like, ah, who's better, John Gibson or, or, or Lucas Dostal? Like that is a great situation to be in because then at that point you're trading an elite goaltender for something else to help this Either team. <laughs> You'd have to think at that point they'd be making the trade. The Ducks would hopefully be getting close to being competitive again, so that trade could probably right-handed be shot. Yeah, <laughs> if unless you get it in this draft, because uh, there's uh-huh. some good ones available in this draft. But anyway, <laughs> we're at an hour and a half, more than an hour and a half. So we gotta we gotta close the show up here. Bonus hockey, as uh, Allers would say. Yeah, or uh, a way too long of a show, as Pat would always say, because he always gets yeah. mad at us when we go over uh-huh. an hour and twenty. because well, he because ha- he has to pee. Yeah. He's got the no, he, if, if we go over an hour and a half, he's not here. He still yeah, gets right. mad at us for going over an hour and a half. So anyway, we went long, but uh, we'll be back. Uh, Saturday is what we have planned right now. Yeah. So I don't want to say for sure because I've said for sure the last couple of times we're supposed to have a show. We didn't. Yeah. But Saturday is the goal because I believe the Ducks play on Friday and Sunday. Friday. Yep. They, yeah, so, they play Friday for sure, which is the Star Wars game, I believe, against Washington. Or the Spitting Incident rematch. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Garrett Hathaway. Right, I'm going to watch that one. So we'll see. Anyway, we'll be back <laughs> on Saturday. Stay tuned to social media. We'll let you know what time and when that show is going to be. Uh, gonna be here but we had to make up for a miss in the last couple shows so you got uh, an extra long show today so again you know i apologize to you guys for for kind of sending you through a loop there and then a couple of days we said we we're gonna have a show and we didn't uh but hopefully you know we're all we're all kind of gonna get together here and, and try and uh, clean things up for you guys so it's a bit more consistent that was the point of us switching to two a week is that it would be more consistent and a better show so uh, we're gonna. And we are and... tripping out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been great. So we're gonna we're gonna try and get uh, get this back on track here, and uh, we'll be back on Saturday, hopefully with the three of us for uh, you know for a revamped show covering the next couple games. All right, yes, guys. For sure. Take care, guys. Talk to you later. Bye, guys. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.